0: You're listening to Detours Ahead, a podcast about creative. okay so yeah. so uh please for our listeners all around the world introduce yourself and give us a quick short little bio about what you do
1: so i am Hanukkah and i am a 37 year old south african woman i started my own company when I turned 30, so I'm almost eight years into doing Buzz. I'll tell you about Buzz in a second, it started a little bit before that, uh, finishing high school and then doing a degree in theatre and performance. After that, feeling like I didn't really want to be an actor, so I wanted to do something more useful, more meaningful, not that there's anything wrong with just being an actor, but I wanted to do something with social impact, so started teaching drama for kids, felt a bit like an imposter, learned how to do that, um, spent some time in the United Kingdom, in London, working for a company where I had an opportunity to use the arts to help build children's confidence, and help them with things like communication skills, etc. Came back to South Africa, used what I'd learned in the UK, plus everything up to then, and started Buzz. Buzz is a company that now up until the recent uh, COVID-19 coronavirus explosion, (laughs) employed 50 people and worked in 100 schools across South Africa, helping children develop confidence, coordination, concentration, communication skills through drama, dance and singing. We make our own music. We employ a bunch of young creative people. And um, it's been a pretty... Find an exciting thing to build from scratch does that sort of
0: sum it up that's perfect yeah that's (laughs) you covered a whole lot of ground very succinctly there so i'm gonna i'm gonna get more into the details of buzz in a while when did you decide that you were going to be a a drama when did you decide you were going to study drama and how did that all come about were you always was that always what you knew you wanted to do
1: I, it's a funny question I haven't thought about that question for a while and recently it came up in my mind and I I, I used to say like yes absolutely always um, I knew that was what I was supposed to do but I think maybe it came out of my dysfunctional <laughs> upbringing or something that I was always just sort of a bit of a attention seeking clown in my family um, and in school and sort of acting and drama at school just became the thing where i felt most comfortable where i felt like my very extroverted personality wasn't frowned upon you know a strong-willed confident little girl in a time when you know little girls weren't really supposed to be like that i suppose um so if i'm honest with myself maybe maybe i wasn't destined to do drama maybe it was just sort of a a sort of combination of circumstances that allowed me to feel comfortable in drama club and do those types of things. Um, yeah, and ultimately, if I look back at my life now, looking at forty coming up, you know, um, I think drama was always just a tool for something else. It was never theatre or drama or the arts or being an actor. It was never. I, I don't think I'm a purist in that mm. sense. You know, love the arts, love theatre, but um, yeah. I mean, that's my truth, and I and, and I wouldn't have said that um, a couple of years ago, but I think I think it kind of just found me.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now well, that's perfect. And then, so after you graduated from the University of Cape Town, which is a fine institution, fine, a very fine institution, <laughs> and um, there you, you was it what 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 made you move towards. Teaching and ultimately transitioned yeah. you towards London? Um, I know that's so these, I, these are tough questions, but I'm, I'm, I'm no, intrigued. No, it's yeah, it's
1: interesting, and it's so nice to reflect on it as well, especially at this point in time. Um, no, so I remember actually I graduated, and I remember I, I, I got really, really ill just after graduating, like fundamentally sick, you know, like the, the big type of illness you get once in 10 years, mm. flu, fevers, and I think I was terrified, I think my body just collapsed after four years of studying, and I think at that point, like, my body was kind of saying, not quite sure that this is what I want to do, truthfully, and I always say, I make a joke, to say that five minutes after getting my degree, I realised I didn't want to be an actor, and maybe that <laughs> is what happened for me, like, <laughs> literally. <laughs> so maybe I lied to myself that first year after drama school, after um, after university, and I and I wanted to like be a big star in a local soap mm-hmm. or something. So I left Cape Town and came to Johannesburg, which is where in South Africa there's more TV production and things that happen on this side of things. But I was never very really committed to any auditions or anything like that, and more drawn to like little groups and things that we formed between friends, of like making children's theatre and going into townships and doing like funny sort of more um uh, what's the word more adventurous what's the word i'm looking for um original things Mm -hmm. um and so i did a bit of children's theater i remember um with a couple of friends we made up workshops and did them in funny townships and things um i auditioned for seven Delon, which is this Afrikaans. um a soap opera that's quite big but I remember not even learning the words so I think I think at that point I'd have kind of given up and I wanted to not given up because I'm very very hard working I'm very very dedicated but um it's also like I was just another white girl you know I knew that there was going to be a cure on the block for every role and I'd spend a lot of time also being quite introspective about myself my life my own pain and past and I also didn't want to like do method acting for the rest of my life like mm. using my own my own pain for yeah. like the purpose of a role for instance so in that time I think I kind of just waffled around for a year and then I got offered an opportunity to be a foundation phase and that's like early primary school age drama teacher and that felt good it felt safe it was going to help me pay my student loan which was a, a, a private loan from a bank so it all felt like a little bit safe, I could like, pay off a car, and I went to, to work there as a drama teacher, and I quite liked it. So at this point, I think my love and my natural affinity, my natural knack for kids, mm. and all the things about theatre and drama and the arts that I loved, in, in as far as what it does for people, in as far as its application, and as far as its tool for helping children specifically, but people just like open up, came together quite nicely, and I felt very comfortable with children, even though they're the toughest audience um, in the world. <laughs> felt very comfortable with little kids, and I kind of made it up as I went along, figured out a curriculum, etc. And somewhere in the second year of that teaching, I managed to get out of South Africa for the first time on a just a holiday trip to uh, Southeast Asia, and that just determined that I needed to leave South Africa, I needed to travel, I needed to see the Mm. whole world, whatever, and then I was one of the last South Africans who could get what was called a two-year working holiday visa to visit the United Kingdom for two years. I applied for that visa, ended up staying for four years, lived in London, equally loathed as adored London. Like, I feel in equal measure that it's the worst and the very best place on planet Earth. Mm And I I had the hottest knocks and the highest highs in that place. It is an absolute bipolar, extreme, wonderful city. Um, Still feels like home and i still think i'll never
0: live there again um i don't know exactly what your question was anymore no you've answered it up to (laughs) up to the (laughs) london point that was a that was a thing south africans used to be able to do and a lot took advantage of that back in the day yes as in like hundreds of thousands maybe a million or more yes would go yeah until what the british just had enough they were like no there's too many south africans here
1: yeah, I Keep think it was kind out. of like because of the Commonwealth, because because of um, South Africa being a British colony back in the day, like yeah. they kind of had to take us, and then eventually <laughs> they started pushing, <laughs> trying to get rid of us. But yes, I was I was very well aware that that uh, visa was coming to an end, which was what yeah. pushed me. Yeah. Okay. But there were lots and lots of South Africans there, and they still they still are many.
0: <laughs> I remember because one of the tricks that South Africans abroad play is to talk Afrikaans because other people can't understand us, but you can't do that, or at least you couldn't do that in London, because there was a (laughs) chance that at least one other person on the subway would be able to understand you.
1: Yes, I remember there was an incident once where I was alone on the tube, on the underground, and I was doing my makeup, I was so good at doing my makeup on a fast tube, now I wouldn't be able to do it, but I could put liquid eyeliner (laughs) around a corner, right? Anyway, and these girls get on and they start talking about me in Afrikaans and they're gossiping about me. <laughs> and they're saying, "Oh my God, look at her!" Like they're saying all these nasty things about me. And I just smiled. I was like, oh, "I can understand everything you say." And as it got to my stop, I got up and I said to them in Afrikaans, "Have a nice day."
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay, so in London, you, you came to work for a company that does uh well describe to me what it does what it did and and what you learned from this
1: i went to a couple of places when i first got to london i first had to do like teacher's assistance oh Mm. my god it was just the worst job on the planet (laughs) here i was with a degree and experiences in africa in these posh schools and i was like doing photocopying for like (laughs) you know australian younger than me
0: Australian? What an insult.
1: Australians and Canada, Canadians and all sorts of people that I had to like sort of be their little assistants. Oh, it was awful. It was awful, it was awful and in bad parts of London and then I um, I worked in a call centre for a while as well, which was quite nice and was quite a fun way to apply my sort of training in theatre and being able to, you know use it behind like a a telephone but eventually in the main work i did in the four years of living in uh, in london was i worked for a company called perform and they did mainly drama based what they would call classes and and they did that independently across london in the southeast um, of england and yeah they would use their own original music and stories that they made and i just like Loved working for them. I loved making it my own. I loved learning about just what uniquely, uniquely makes the English specifically special. Because at sort of face value, they can seem very distant and cold. But like when you like work with their children, and you work with their children week on week on week, and you get to know them, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing when they open up eventually. Um, and yeah, we did. We did drama music singing classes with these children and i worked for that company and worked myself up in that company quite a bit over possibly two and a half three years and loved it loved it loved it but somewhere halfway in i knew that i was now shifting from just being there and working towards a british passport so that i could never go home but instead i went okay this is why you travel as a south african you go to another place to learn, to save some money, get your, get your head down and like bring the skills back. I felt like that was important to me. And I didn't feel like I was doing, um, I still don't think I did anything. I never took any of their material, or any of their original ideas, but I, but I tried to learn about the business model very, very much and save as much money because I decided, say two years before I came home, I decided that I would do something in a similar vein in South Africa, Um, a a Hanukkah version of something like this. And there's many companies like Perform in London and in the UK, but there's very little like that in South Africa. Mm. And I also wanted to make it very much my version of what I did there. So um, yeah, that was was Perform. It was a beautiful time and still an incredible family of friends. I, I go to London now. I basically spend time with everyone. still my family they are somehow part of the perform family so it was a beautiful time
0: amazing okay so then you you when you came back to south africa and you were creating buzz from the ground up tell me a little bit about that what did you what were (laughs) all what were all the things you had to create from scratch how did you do it what what was it like
1: I don't think it's possible for me to answer that question in anything less than at least five hours, <laughs> or five years, it would take me to explain to you what needed to go into making a business from scratch of this nature. Honestly, if I if, if anyone could tell me what those first years would be like now and ask me would I still do it, I can't tell you for sure that I would. Uh-huh. It was a hundred thousand times harder than I thought it could be. Honestly, honestly. It was also a hundred thousand times more rewarding when it eventually worked, but I could have never anticipated how hard it would be. Honest to God. (laughs) I I had to build every part of this business from scratch, and what I'd always envisioned was quite a staff-heavy business, and with staff comes problems, comes politics, comes needs. It's essentially like working with grown children. Mm. It's hard, and they disappoint you, and they have... Needs, uh, yeah. So it was very hard. So things from the beginning that it took to create the business, for me, it was always centered around having original IP, intellectual property. So having inter- in original stories and songs and characters around which the drama, dance and singing workshops would be pivoted on. Like it would all work around those original material. So I had to first and foremost, while well, I still lived in London record some original songs, so writing those lyrics, working with composers finding references going to a studio, messing it up a hundred thousand times and then eventually getting some version of a song that you could imagine would be played and sung by children in the future in South Africa so first it was around that original material I also, what I did with the original material was I I, uh, extrapolated it into full curriculum so the full curriculum included every single week every single age group knowing what everyone was doing so it wasn't just a rough sort of curriculum it was very it is very detailed down to this week this is what you should be teaching this is what the children should know in terms of the songs this is where we are in the story and here's your handbook of all of our games exercises Um, that you need to sort of fill your lesson plan with, right? I don't know if you're still following me, but... I'm following, yes. I had to build from scratch this very detailed curriculum, something that not only makes sense to me, but then also there's what needs to happen, and then there's the language around the application of it as well. Like our sort of own buzz language needed to develop our brand Bible that took a gazillion years. Then there were all the technical things that you don't think about if you're a creative person, which is the bank accounts and the accounting system. So you have an accounting system that has to grow and grow and grow and grow. The CRM, the Client Relationship Management System, so a database that had to be built from scratch and continues to actually be built to this day, that has I'm not joking when I tell you that the system probably has up to 2,000 rules. It's a program that we feed information of our clients into and then the program knows that if I toggle your status to a prospect from a prospect to a client it sends mm-hmm. this email out to you. But then if you want more information of that it sends you this. But then it picks up your child's date of birth. So we ask if you want a buzz party. But then you're due for renewal, which it which it picks up from your expiry date which we fed in, so it shoots out another email very complicated to explain, as so I said, in five years. But I had to build all of that like to understand what the what the machine, what the animal would be able to do, but then also to write all of the emails, the, all of the content, all mm. of the comms, as we call it, the communications that would go out. Then we built a hard drive, an internal hard drive, that's essentially um, a shared... Uh, reference, a shared um, manual, (laughs) which is all online, that has everything that the staff need from all of their contracts, to all of their invoices, to all of their templates, to all of their lesson plans, to all of their curriculum, to all of their audio files, to all of the videos of how to play different games and exercises. Everything. So you build all of that. Then you need an office space. Then you have to find printers that will print flyers. Then you need to start to find venues in which you're going to run the workshops and the, um, ind- the independent venues. So for a long time we ran independent venues, but then we started running it at schools, which means that you have to have a sales um, approach, a sales system, a sales pitch, PowerPoint presentation. Um, in between we started doing podcasts, which we – uh, recorded and we obviously continue to make more original music but we also created our stories in a podcast format so just a uh just a character narrative uh, the characters going down the little story week by week or podcast by podcast with all the music in it so we were creating creative product as well as systems mm. constantly so you're constantly build, building systems and creative product and you're constantly another thing I would say there's four big parts you're building systems you're building creative product you're selling the product constantly and you're wiping the bums of 50 people are <laughs> for you because that component is where all your energy gets sucked in yeah. people with their needs people with what this is unfair and I don't understand that and can hold my hand this and you've got to constantly have compassion empathy energy to plow back into these people so I don't know what I just said, but
0: I found like that. So, was yeah, yeah, yeah. So which of those now, I assume the fun, the, the, the part that's enjoyable, at least in that early phase is is the creative, creating all the yes. material. The others yes. are extremely difficult and stressful. How yeah. do you, or how, how, how do you manage to find the mental space to be creative without... When all this other stuff is piling on top of you so you don't lose your mind and go insane and stop being able to think in creative ways and uh that's question one and part two if you were to go back and give yourself piece of a piece of advice then what would it what would it be is there anything you can do to like ma- to make such a crazy system run any easier or do you think it's just something you got to do you got to run into the storm
1: I think yes, and I think there must be ways of doing better, of course. And funnily with COVID, we we have an opportunity to to redo it. So first of all, I want to say I sounded like very depressed when I explained all the madness. It is also very rewarding. It is also very incredibly rewarding when you see a massive, massive functional organization that every part of it you understand and you know you built. It's very rewarding. It's very empowering nothing can make you feel more confident as a human being well obviously also having a baby but other than that (laughs) like i don't think there's anything can make you feel so like okay i've had an impact on the world but how do you manage to be creative when everything is also very much system administrative it's hard um i definitely always enjoyed being creative more i think i think how you do it is to be very disciplined and possibly making sure, and if I could go back in time now, that I surrounded myself with even more people, but it was always a financial question, but you employ more people to do the stuff you don't enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to understand the things first before you can employ another person. So there's no part of a business that I believe that like a really good business person can completely not understand, ask another person to build, then it's not yours. So you do have to know it first before you can pass it on. But if I could go back, maybe Buzz could have been even more successful, and it, it has always been successful, had I found people to do the crap that doesn't serve me, doesn't feed my soul, pass it on. And sometimes I was too anxious, feeling like other people won't care enough or that they will mess it up or whatever. And you don't, don't then pass it on. And if you do create those systems, then you actually safeguard enough time for yourself to be creative and do creatively stimulating things. But saying all of that, I also have really enjoyed the system stuff. I've really enjoyed building complicated, incredible CRMs. And I've also really enjoyed seeing everything archived beautifully. I've enjoyed the balance of activities. Um, Yes, I will always prefer writing a song. I will always prefer working with children or especially with adults, training them how to work with children has become my absolute favourite thing. In all of my activities at Buzz, if you ask me what I enjoy most, it's to train adults in the Buzz method. But no, I don't know. I think now we have an opportunity to actually put that question into action Mm. as we try to restart Buzz that has been paused by this virus to say what actually was just dead weight and what actually... Didn't make us money and actually just made us, irrit- uh, you know, irritable and angry. And so, yeah, okay. it's interesting. Yeah,
0: hindsight. Yeah. Okay. So let let me shift a little and talk about children. So your business involves teaching children or engaging with children and getting them to be creative or, or bring out their creative potential. Mm so what is it about what what happens when children engage with creativity dancing singing drama and um, why is it so important what kind of what magic does it create what skills does it give them what is it like to watch children engaging with uh, the arts like this
1: again i I would need five hours for my answer on that one yeah there's so much i can say about this i think ultimately everything that is fundamentally human about us every part of what makes us human is based and has its roots in imagination right Mm -hmm. language sciences um, engineering of every kind mathematics it's all based in imagination A person who can't imagine an alternative answer to a question, whatever question that is, is going to be stunted, right? And there is nothing that gives you that exposure, that tool to creativity, to imagination as much and as effectively as the arts. That is why I believe it's so effective and so important for children, is that if you want a child to be well-rounded, not necessarily a child who's going to become Mm -hmm. an actor, I'm not in the game for, like, making all children singing, dancing puppets. It's more about what exposure to the arts allows them to be in other areas and in all areas of their lives. Um, There's also the matter of confidence Mm -hmm. and how, especially in the world today, that we have no clue what we are preparing children for Mm. in your and my lifetimes the world has changed so drastically and dramatically i mean we both remember a time where there were no cell phones now our cell phones are our, our cameras, our diaries, and God knows what else, right? It has fundamentally changed social media, the internet, mm, everything mm, in our lifetimes,
0: mm, right? I know.
1: And we are now preparing children for a future that we 100%, the only thing we know about the future of my child and yours is that we don't know yeah. what we're preparing them for. And so in a world that we don't know what they need to face in the future, the one thing we can, we can bank on is that confidence, being able to stand up for yourself, being able to ask a question, being able to contribute your idea, being able to work with others, being able to make a friend, being able to be an innovator, being able to be bold, being able to um, be creative, is the only thing to bank on, right? Mm -hmm. And the only thing that gives children that, gives human beings that, I believe, is in some form or form of another the arts. So there are lots of other things other than just my little company that can give that to children and to human beings. But as long as you are singing, you are dancing, you are being ridiculous, you are being playful with language, you are pretending to be a different character, you are doing character play and imaginary play. That is hugely important it is not a frivolous side thing that Mm -hmm. should be seen as secondary to mathematics it's not secondary it's hugely crucial and a lot of the work we do is to help to train teachers how to bring character play movement singing and dancing right into a life skills lesson a lesson that's around um you know the water cycle or some sort of geography whatever like you can bring character play into into everything it also very fundamentally and importantly allows everyone parents and teachers alike to see children in a different light if you are constantly and this is a huge problem in the whole world the standardized education Mm. model this model that all children should learn in the same way from the neck up
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: And then those children who struggle to sit still, fidgeting, 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 often little boys, are stigmatized instead of praised for, you know, the fact that they have to learn in a physical way. And then no. we often also medicate them, which I have a massive problem with. I'm not saying that no one should be medicated, but they're definitely over-medicated. Anyway, I'm trying to say a lot of things, but, you know, you bring a child like that into a theater or a drama or a movement environment and you expose them to these other modalities and suddenly the teacher goes, Oh my goodness, look at little Tommy being able to focus because you've Mm. actually engaged him in a different way or you've allowed his whole body to be part of the learning process. So for me, and this is very important, this what I've done with buzz and what I believe is that the arts are not it's not a separate thing. It's not a little after school activity. It should be a fundamental, crucial cornerstone of what education is, it should transform education. And as you can probably hear um, my, I know you know a little bit about him, I think. My biggest educational crush is Ken Robinson, and um, he does a great talk that has been, he's now recently passed away, a uh, great talk on TED, it's the world's most watched TED talk on how schools kill creativity.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think I, I have seen that, I, I not in a while, but I have seen that, Yeah.
1: yeah so yeah i don't
0: even ask you a question no that's perfect i'm I'm gonna keep giving you questions that you need five years to answer so (laughs) (laughs) the other one would be i've seen because i've seen kids when they get into into these workshops and they from what i've seen they're all involved and they they they're dancing and singing and moving what happens what can adults learn from the way children engage with creativity the way that the children throw themselves into things do adults lose that some adults lose that. yes yeah,
1: some adults do absolutely lose that often and most i think do lose it i always tell the story which i think i don't know if i've i think i made this i think this is my own idea <laughs> but you know like i might have heard this somewhere. but i always repeat this i think it might be my own idea but it is the truth that mm. you go into a room of four-year-olds anywhere on planet earth right now yeah and you ask that room of four-year-olds, who here can draw beautifully?
0: Me, not me. not one. Ever move. Me, me, <laughs> me. And full arms straight up into the sky, you know, like literally ready.
1: Who can run the fastest? Me, <laughs> me, me. <laughs> you know, even if they got one leg, they'll say they can run. You say who can sing beautifully, even the tone-deaf ones without, you know, they say me. Who can dance? They believe fundamentally in themselves in a way that is so unbelievably beautiful they are so present that's why i love spending time with children Mm. and i always have because i i I used to make the silly joke that and it's 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 actually true if i'm fundamentally absolutely teaching and engaging with children for like a short period of time i I, certain functions of my body switch off like i don't need to for instance pee i just i'm there with children fully present, I don't think about anything else. I can't hard, I can hardly read anymore without thinking about anything else because of the stupid world we live in where our attention is constantly sort of being fought for. But when I'm with children and I'm fully with them and I and I plug into that beauty of kids, you will have a mindful, a completely present half an hour or an hour because they live that way. Especially yeah. this gorgeous age, which is my favorite, from about three to nine years old is the most beautiful they don't yet have that very awkward social thing about what the others are thinking about them yeah they can sometimes be a little bit physical and sort of mean to each other but it's kind of it comes from this very pure place so you can easily steer them um to not you know um, if you've got the if you've got the energy because they they will ask a lot of you they will exhaust you um But they also give so much back. Like they are incredible. So what can we learn from children? is Spend more time with children on children's level. Do what they want you to do. Go down the little path that they want to pull you down. And just look at them and go, you know, we are still children. One of my favorite comedians, uh, Dylan Moran, always says, "We're just taller children. That's all we are." Yeah. (laughs) Still exactly the same. You know, we still have exactly the same insecurities and worries and fears, but we've let them rule our lives um, I I suppose we we do need to learn to drive and keep together and whatever but I think just taking inspiration from children by being with them and watching them be brave, it's that natural confidence of children Mm. I I will not use the um, Pablo Picasso thing about we're all trying, you know, what is his saying about you know the adults, what is his thing about children all of us wanting to go back to being children because mm. i've recently found out that picasso was actually an awful person and um, <laughs> mean to women so i won't i won't use that quote that i don't remember um but yeah i mean i just I, i've got a little i've got a 15 month old and if i let myself just fully be with him time disappears it's almost easier to be with him if i just because i love being with him you know but if i let go and i just immerse and i come back out of that i think more present happier adult
0: well you just answered part of the next question i was going to ask you which was about how having a child of your own has changed your i mean i know to say how has it changed your life it changes absolutely <laughs> everything everything from yes. the top to the bottom so but how has it changed uh did it, did it change the way you thought about the work that you were doing in any way? Um, yeah,
1: it, so first of all it is hard, like there's absolutely no other way of explaining it than, other than like nothing can prepare you for it 24-7 yeah. and like it never stops. So that that is true and, and sort of on a practical level. It was harder than I thought it would be to be this. I wanted to be everything. I decided that I could have it all. I would have it all. I'm essentially going to be Oprah Winfrey and a stay at home mom all <laughs> of one. I'm going to like be Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm also a stay at home. Like I'm going to take him with me to work, or I'm going to work at home. He's just going to lie there quietly. <laughs> what I didn't, what I didn't anticipate is Jack himself. Like his himselfness that would eventually, after the first couple of weeks, stop me from my plans. Right. So, just from that perspective, I learned that I bit off much more than I think any person should want to chew. Um, But, yeah, I think I just had this burning desire for Jack to get stuck in to, um, to buzzing eventually. I mean, it was just recently put him into the Buzz little uniform, and he absolutely and always just enriched whatever I've been doing. It's been the most... Satisfying, most wonderful, incredible thing to become a mum. I think that was my, beyond all of the things that I've wanted to do, many things that I still want to do, my most urgent, my most uh, primal need was always to be a mum. And it has delivered, even though it's exhausting, it's delivered through and through and through again and again to feel so so much love and so much protection for another being to want to see him succeed and to do whatever I can do to just like be his platform mm-hmm. for success. And I think in another way is that I always wanted buzz to be the success so that he can benefit from it by doing buzz but he could also eventually there's this is quite this is quite multilayered, but I want to be I want him to be proud of me eventually in his life to say my mom did this thing for children and I wanted him to financially benefit from it. Like I wanted to, you know, leave my child something of value, something that could live on beyond me as well, you know. So it's actually been really challenging in the last six months with COVID and coronavirus to, to, find, my, um, to find my way through all of these things. But it is Jack that has kept me smiling through this very, very tough time, because without it, I think I would have wallowed and I would have felt very, very sorry for myself. And of course I was, and I am very sorry for myself often, <laughs> but Jack gives me purpose. And, and because of that thing that we spoke about, about no. how they keep you present. Right. He just brings you right back to the present moment. He's just mama, 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 mama. And then I'm like, okay, cool. And he literally pulls me by my dress up the garden. And we just have to like put our fingers inside some dirt his newest thing is to push his own finger up my nose and I'm convinced he's trying to reach my brain (laughs) (laughs) and then you just have to go okay whatever like yeah yeah this is what life's about I'm really glad that he's around in these tough times
0: yeah 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 Johnny has kept us sane as well well as sane as you can be during all this time yeah um So yeah so you you keep making the transition for me that's that i was about to make which was the how how, what happened now during this the time of the global plague it's 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 affected everyone in the world pretty much in different ways um i for one could not come back to south africa as we had planned and uh, amongst all sorts of other other things but um i know businesses were shut down and obviously people got sick and died and all the horrible stuff that's happened but what how did that how did it play into your buzzing
1: so it was awful we probably um we're probably the worst case scenario in terms of the type of business that we are because essentially we are a parasite we live off but a positive organism.
0: parasite. Yeah, positive yeah.
1: parasite. But positive, like as a business model, if the if the, the the organism that you live on, which in our case is schools, like schools have to be open because we we run our program in and at schools. So when they're all shut down indefinitely, like that's like the host is gone. You know, there's no oxygen, and like there was no way of hiding from that. You just suddenly excuse me you suddenly realize how that fatal flaw that it never had occurred to me if i had to like break it down if i compared myself to a restaurant yeah how how vulnerable buzz actually has always been until the pandemic it took me to understand that i rely on another thing to exist and that those are the schools and then on top of that you're not only facing that the schools are closed and then when they eventually started opening then you have other crises now People want you to come back, but they only want you to allow, say, seven or ten kids into the room. We're a business. Unless we have 20 kids in the room, we're not making money. Plus, my business is holding hands and singing songs yeah. and dancing and, sweating and not and high-fiving, you know, so which is all beautiful things that children should be doing. We shouldn't be ashamed of saying that's our program, but we can't actually run the program in the way that it's so... That for me, I was like, oh my God, we are absolutely screwed from so many angles. First of all, schools of can't be there. Second of all, if and when back, there's going to be restrictions of a basic basic level that I have to respect that I'm not going to push against that's going to make it impossible for us to meet our financial targets. And then third of all, very importantly, no one's got any money. Every parent that does individual payments, so we have two different business models within the business we have got individual parents paying for our service, but then we've got schools paying for the service. And in both cases, the schools stopped paying for our service because the parents that pay their school fees, in South Africa, schools are very much a private business, especially private schools. They're on like a business. So if one of the two parents lost a job or or lost some of their income, they started getting less school fees paid. And um, (laughs) so basically, you've got, again, Just to reiterate, the organism died. If the organism comes back to life, you've got restrictions of sanitization and masks and distance on top of people in their pocket being hit so hard that everyone cancelled with us. Out of 100 schools, I I sat with four schools who were still paying their bill. And what that meant was that 50 staff members lost their job. That was very painful. We have been fighting against this wave all the way. The first thing we did, we tried to put it online to try and like. Initially, I was like, "Cool, I'll just get a thousand people to sign up online." We managed to get fifteen people or so to pay anew online. A lot of our old clients are still there, the schools, whatever. But we tried to do it via Zoom. Tried to do online workshops, and in principle, it worked. People enjoyed it, but to part with money was a whole different, it was a whole different environment. The marketplace had changed completely. So in a nutshell, I felt incredibly uh, sorry for myself. Um, Sorry for my staff, very sorry for my staff. Because I can still sit here, with the value that's left in buzz and try to figure something else out but a lot of people in south africa are living very much hand to mouth a lot of the young people that work for buzz i know that they provide for their families they might not be able to do much but if they are making a couple of thousand rand on buzz i know that they put that back into their family home so that was painful and it still is very very painful to feel not like a failure and i know it's not my fault i don't feel like a failure but i feel i do care about these people deeply this is not people that i met yesterday these are people that i know them i know their stories i know their lives um they have served buzz they have tried and and i feel like it's for them that i want something to come back back to life yeah so that's what happened and then now we're just trying to figure out a a a new version of of what what could be possible but it's been very painful it's been 6 months of hell my husband is uh, is in a similar circumstances. so we as a family as a home just went from pretty comfortable pretty busy to absolute question mark of our lives it's been crazy but we're
0: still here what a a time that is I mean there's no but to say like yeah you hadn't realized how dependent you were on schools i mean Mm. if there's anything you think of that's not going to disappear it would be i mean schools are one of them that's like the everyone is going to send their kids to school you're going to still as long as the human race is around there's going to be kids and there's going to be school so this is like it really takes an absolute the blackest of black swans to come along and you know smash the whole thing to pieces Man, what that's. You yeah.
1: even saying that? I would say that. I'd say that to my business partner. I'd be like, they're not going to close the schools. Yeah. It's impossible to close the schools. If they close the schools, they'll murder the economy because schools are not just for education, they are basically daycare. Yeah. I said, no, it's impossible. They won't do it. And then they did it. And the economy has collapsed in South Africa. It's terrible.
0: Man, we had Man. some such happy things we were talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, they happy things, cause i'm no, trying to pivot i'm
1: trying to pivot that's my new word
0: <laughs> you try to what
1: pivot i'm pivoting my business pivoting
0: pivoting pivot. yes so so tell me what are you what what is uh, what is this new the new project that you are working towards now it's called Pivot-Docon. like like, the, <laughs> like the phoenix rising up oh, yes. from the ashes yes yeah. Yes, I've,
1: I've been calling myself a phoenix very anachronistic. Un- <laughs> <laughs> um no, but so when it all occurred to me, uh, we we shut down in middle of March. And between middle of March until the middle of May of this year, I was just trying to move the business online. That's all I did. Daily I was splashing a million things a day on social media. I was spending money on social media and I was convinced that I could like just take the business, lift it up, put it online, when the schools go back, we go back. And it was in the middle of May, I don't know, I got really mad. I had a deep wailing of a cry and I realized stop lying to yourself, stop trying to deny what's happening here. There are things within Buzz that have such value that even if operationally buzz has died, these things cannot be destroyed. So just try and mine that out. It's like owning a diamond, right? It's there. Uh, right now, no one's buying diamonds, but you can't destroy it. So I just needed to get to what was the diamond and buzz. And again, that's always for me in the IP and the original material and the idea of like working with kids. Not in the actual day-to-day We Buzz at this school on Wednesday at 2 o'clock. That's not the business. That's just where we do it. The heart of it is this work with the kids. So how can I pivot this? And actually, years ago, I always thought that I wanted Buzz to exist in some form or another as a television show. Mm -hmm. So um, then I thought, okay, cool. Let me call everyone I know, because we've got all this original music and this content, these stories and these characters, right? So we've got... Enough there that you can package it somehow and make a TV show of some sort for children. So we carry on, we're still doing, we're plotting along on this side, we're still doing the virtual online stuff, ticking that over, but let me see what I can do to grow. And I started calling every single person I know on the planet um, to see who I know in the television industry in South Africa, to, to I can talk to, to, to take our stories and our characters and turn it into a show that was one idea and another idea i actually had registered a non-profit company the buzz foundation uh, a year earlier and we had started working a little bit in it but i was really going to push to see if i could get funding non-profit funding so either government or private but corporate social investment type funding that could be like here's a bulk of money with which we can go into less fortunate communities whether that's virtually or in real life but basically through the non-profit company we could run the same buzz that we know but it's just a different person paying for it which is essentially where the problem was anyway right and then we can serve better community well communities that would be less likely to be served by it so in that moment of the middle of may when i realized everything's collapsing i think at that point i decided i needed to see how much money i could sort of access through the non-profit company and in the profit company the normal Uh, pty limited the the buzz the private sector buzz how can i make this into a tv show and so i started like networking asking people and a friend of mine she's very sweet she decided she was a commissioning editor at mnet and she said listen i can't help you but what i'd like to do is i'd like to sponsor you to do an online development course on how to develop content for children's television and at first i was like oh I don't want to do that. Just help me. Just, just phone someone. I don't want to work. On, you know, like I, was like, I don't have the time to learn new things. <laughs> I just TikTok. You know, I just wanted it to happen, but it was actually the best thing for me to learn this very, very new, very, very strange and complicated beast, which is television. And um, so, basically, what I've been developing is two shows. Uh, one is a live action, so real people with a green screen and it's, it's essentially a buzz workshop, like just as we doing in the school, where the adults are delivering it to the camera in a very mm-hmm. fun way, we bring some fun graphics in and we're trying to get someone to make that and then there's also a version of it that's just the stories, just the narrative, just the songs, just the characters and that's an animation project that I'd like to develop which I'm busy packaging and doing the synopsis and the character bible and the pitch bible for all of that so um so that is a big way that we're trying to pivot buzz and so in the new version of buzz there could be a show that is somewhere on south african or international tv in south africa i'm trying to do it in different languages that either takes over the old business or lives with it which is potentially the best way to do it is that there's a show that gets lots and lots of exposure that then helps us easily rebuild the school model, right? Because if you see them on television, mm. uh, you know, right. um, so that, that could be really cool. And then there's also this middle of these two worlds, which is an internet-based virtual workshop, which I'm working hard on to get some schools to buy into a subscription model where basically we say to the schools, we give you access to so instead of the old buzz, we give these schools access to a resource library where there's pre recorded workshops, pre recorded materials, and then there's workshop plans and, you know, resources that they can then download and basically a whole class can do together, anywhere in the world again. So as horrible as all of this has been and it has been horrible and hard it has allowed us to look at buzz and decide oh my god where have we actually been wasting energy and time where is the future in terms of virtual and online and all of this how can we strip down the old buzz so that there's maybe uh, uh, in the future we'll go back to schools but we'll just go back to the ones that performed the best and we'll we'll strip that back and if someone is willing to help us make this TV show, then that could reach a whole bunch of new, many, many children in a wider audience. So currently my show pitch is with a few broadcasters and I'm in conversation with a brand to do a corporate sponsorship model where you know they sponsor us to make the show and they sort of attach their brand to it. And then I have to say that I finally been successful in the non-profit company to get a bit of funding um, which I'm continuing to try and get more of um, and so the work we'll do for the non-profit company in the funding space will very much also be virtual, it will be like pre-recorded workshops, making it available and very simple little links using social media and stuff to get it out to communities who would otherwise not have access to this work, just virtually I have no idea of anything I just said No, like,
0: I, I followed it all Wow, cool. man! So you're keeping your you're like a, a general, keeping your head cool in the middle of a war. <laughs> I'm so glad it
1: looks like that because many days I do not have a cool head at all. But yes, that's the plan.
0: So if anyone wants to, have you released any of the the TV show footage anywhere?
1: Um, we, I think, I don't know if I've put any of that specifically. There's definitely workshop footage and so forth on our YouTube channel um, and all of that I can send you the links to so people yeah. can see what I'll, we've been I'll, up to I'll put it
0: in the show notes then so people can see it if they want to Yeah, yes,
1: yes and our website has handy links to all of the things like all of our social media platforms all of the funny things we've been up to
0: awesome so let me let me see two more, two more final questions you've What does it mean to live creatively? To live a creative life?
1: Mm. Oh my word. I don't think I'm really good at it. I think I get bogged down in the mechanics of running a big show and running the people and everything. Living a creative life um, means lots of exposure To the things that make your soul shine, make your soul smile, whatever that might be, because it's different for different people. But, you know, in a perfect world, I think seeing live theatre and live music performed is just one hundred percent non-negotiable, and exposing my child to those things and getting lost in the moment with Jack at every single possibility, and making sure that he sees um, spends time in a library and at a puppet show and dances and um, feels alive and I take that cue from him a lot more and do the things we've been wanting to do and every day you know being creative is, is not necessarily being in a creative industry at all you can be creative cooking in your, right. in your kitchen you can be creative as an engineer solving a massive big problem um, I think it's just honouring honoring yourself and um, rating yourself as like a creative being, I think, is to see yourself as incredible and endless in possibility. Um, in the short and very immediate term it's just dancing with my little boy in the lounge he has this most incredible thing at the moment where you put music on he just starts dancing in a circle and he has this little arm gesture that he does <laughs> and then he um he likes to he's so much like patrick swayze in dirty dancing like he <laughs> actually pulls he'll he'll choose someone and like he'll come to you and pulls your clothes and pulls you pulls your in and pulls you up and when Jack does it because he's cute and he's little, no one feels weird and awkward. Yeah. With, you know. But whereas if, if if it was just a normal Wednesday morning and I asked you to dance, she'd be like, "Okay, uh-huh. what's wrong with you? You're being so weird." You know. But it's not weird. It's wonderful, and it gets you right into the moment and present and mindful. And God, we need to all get off our phones. I think maybe yeah. that's the most important thing
0: yeah well yeah my last question was just anything i haven't asked that you would want to share anything any lesson that stands out any any gem of advice for the world that craves gems of advice
1: (laughs) (laughs) no i just think that a lot of people who have studied or immersed themselves as, you know, I feel like the world has been um, very black and white traditionally, you know, you are either creative or you are serious or you're corporate, right? Mm. You're either left or right, you know, we were just chatting um, about that in terms of, um, you know, specifically in America, the news being like you're either very
0: Right, right, right. People down in their camps shooting at each other. Yeah, Yeah.
1: it seems to be the case in politics all over the world, but it's also definitely that type of polarization and extreme opposite seems to also be how people treat themselves and their children in societies. like, you're a sporty boy, okay, let's Uh do more running, you know. Um, And I think it's just important to realize that you can be a very creative uh, lawyer, You can be a very kind and soft-hearted doctor who loves listening to music. And you can be also, and equally, you can be a drama major like myself, who's a very successful businesswoman.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know?
1: And I think that part is so important, is for artists to start um, getting serious about themselves and what they do as businesses and being taken seriously. And, you know, you see this in South Africa now with COVID-19, Artists have been the worst affected and totally forgotten in any of the stimulus packages and plans to revive the economy. I mean, literally, theatres can't operate and haven't, you know, because we are just, we've always been seen as an extra. And you come back to that story of children at school because we see drama club, theatre club, or pottery as something to happen apart from learning, right? And so what I am, very keen for is to make sure that I raise a little boy and he's my only child at the moment but my other children in the future as well if I have more that they are not just like either or something you're not just you know because you can kick a ball really nicely that you don't also expose yourself to theatre or whatever ballet swimming who, who knows there's so many parents who are almost afraid for their children especially boy dads for their children to be exposed to something like drama because mm. no 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 he's you know we, we we want him to be something serious. Well you can still be a compassionate, confident, nicer person in society as an accountant for your exposure to the art. For the arts, And also that will make you creative in all your thinking. So yeah, I just I think my main thing is to advocate always for duality and for flexibility and moving through these very strong uh, categories and having more fluid borders between Mm. them. And that's what the arts bring in. And I think that especially now in a world of 2020 where everything is all about bringing robotics and programming um, and coding into schools and more and more apps for everything. That we don't forget. Yeah. That we don't forget the very thing that makes us human, which is being together in community, and you know, especially uh, in this crazy time of COVID. You know, I always think about that Winston the Churchill quote about um, this. I'm going to butcher it, but where he was asked in the Second World War why he was protecting. Um, or not letting go of historic art or mm-hmm. something like that and he said well what are we fighting for if we don't protect what makes us human you know yeah. so it's so important and it should actually in this time when we're living in such a cruel world such a hard world we should make more space for fluidity and for art in general but I'm not a pure artist in any sense I'm just I want to use it for good
0: yeah that was beautiful I, I can't think of a better better <laughs> Message for for people right now. So yeah. thank you so much. And um, i i I'm, I'm sh- I, I know that what you're doing now is gonna be successful because everything else you've done is then you can, uh, it's gonna be gonna so. beautiful. Thank you. Thank so, and I will I will link to whatever I can in the show notes for people who are interested in seeing more of what you do. That's great. Thank you, goodbye.